Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, and I'm your host, Julia. On today's show, Shy is back. And if you haven't listened to our WandaVision episode, head on over there to listen to it because it was really good. This week, Shy and I are talking about the Lee bag. Fleabag is the 2016 comedy series about a 30-year-old woman living in London and trying to adult after a recent tragic loss. Fleabag was created by and stars Phoebe Waller-Bridge. The cast hosts an incredible lineup. With only two seasons, Fleabag manages to tackle grief in a way that we've not seen portrayed on television often. Clever and creative, 30-minute episodes will make you laugh through awkward conversations and cry as if you yourself experienced the same loss as the title character. Fleabag is currently available on Prime Video. And now, here we go to the show. Shy, I am so glad to have you back again on this show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Uh, our last episode was so much fun. So I'm really excited that we get to talk about Fleabag. Which, oh my gosh. Right? Such a great show. I feel like everybody that's watched it shares the same sentiment. As soon as I say it, everyone's face goes, oh, yes. I love it so much. Yes. So in season one, we meet, she's referred, she, we don't ever learn her name, but yeah. on IMDb, they just refer to her as Fleabag. Mm-hmm. And she's, I mean, how do you describe her? She's so funny and just, she's like the little sister you don't want. Yeah, no, I get it. She's like the jokester that like doesn't know when to stop making Mm -hmm. jokes. Mm -hmm. Like love it until you don't love it. And then you're like, okay, stop now. Yeah, like the line (laughs) is here and you just kind of went and now I'm uncomfortable, but it's great to watch on TV because it doesn't affect your life personally. (laughs) Yes, yeah, that's true. And so the whole first season, because there's two seasons on Prime, and I don't think they're going to do any more. It doesn't. No, they're done. I know. Yeah. It is a bummer. It is a bummer. I, we de- devoured it when the second season came out. We like started watching it and then finished it within a couple of days. And then as soon as um, we finished it, we were like, okay, when's the next season going to come out? And then we found out that that was kind of it. So yeah, it was a bummer. Yeah. So for me, the second season, I liked the second season more than the first season. I I thought this first season was really, really good. And one of the quotes that kind of like got me hooked was when she's because she breaks the fourth wall a lot. Right. So this character, she owns a cafe. She's kind of not really settled in a career Mm -hmm. and she's sort of floating and she just has this boyfriend, but then they break up a lot. And then she has a lot of sex also. And so there's just She's like, it's like coming of age, but for 30 year olds. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. And so the quote that got me hooked was, I'm not obsessed with sex. I just can't stop thinking about it. The performance of it, the awkwardness of it, the drama of it, the moment you realize someone wants your body, not so much the feeling of it. (laughs) And we can't really argue with that. Throughout the whole first season, you know, we learn that she's dealing with grief as the sister and then her dad and the godmother but so the only two characters that we ever hear the names of are martin and her sister claire Mm -hmm. 
everyone else is sort of referred to. And then her best friend, Boo. Which I don't think is like her real name either. So yeah, I don't think that's that's her. Yes. And so we learn pretty quickly that she's sort of grieving Boo, but we don't know like, we don't know right away what happens. No, it doesn't really reveal to you until the end of the first season. Like, and that you, and then when it does, you understand why she is grieving so hard is because she feels guilty as well. And that's like a really heavy burden for her. Yeah. So I felt like the whole first season, she's kind of acting out, like she's not really dealing with her grief. So she's doing all these like crazy things. Yeah. I've been in that position where like, you don't, like, you're so upset that you don't really have control over what you're doing or like, you can't, you like, you're like, Uh, disconnected from yourself and you're Mm -hmm. doing these things and you're like why am I doing these things I don't understand but you just continue to do them it's like self-destructive yes when you're that at that level of grief or upset yeah so I get it yes and I thought the storytelling was really good because you get flashbacks for things but you don't know how it fits and then when you get into the seasons and even into season two they called back a lot of stuff from season one and you just kind of like oh got it like this is this is hilarious, but it's also real deep. Yes, it really was. Like, I wasn't expecting that kind of, like, um, emotion to mm-hmm. be elicited from me when watching it. Like, it looked, from the trailer, it looked like it was funny. From the picture that you see at first, before you even see anything else, it's just a picture of her walking down the street with tears yeah. streaming down her face. And you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. But then when you're watching it, you're like, you're feeling so many different kinds of emotions that it's overwhelming almost. And I think that's why <laughs> it sticks with you so well too. Yes. So what was it about the first season? And I guess it's been out for a while. So if we give things away, it's not too terrible. That's your own fault. Yeah, viewers. That's, yes. That's your own fault. You should have already watched it. Yes. Because <laughs> it's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. So I think season one was 2016. So at this point that's we're five years. Yeah. So we're five years out. So if we give shit away, that's, that's not on us. That's on you. It's not really five years ago. Yeah. It hurts a little bit, right? Oh yeah. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge has proven herself to be a phenomenal storyteller. Yes. Like her writing is absolutely perfect. And the casting was perfect too. Like everybody was so good in the characters. Like yes. I hate Brett Gilman now. Like I hate him. Even in everything that I see, I'm like, I know that you're just being a really good actor, but like, I can't stand you. Wait, is he Martin? Yes. Oh, I hated Martin so much. So much. I didn't know if I hated Martin more or the godmother more, but I think it was Martin. Oh my God. Olivia Coleman plays the godmother. Oh, and so, so good. This is, this she's is, so good. She's so good. And this is pre her doing the crown, obviously, and yeah. like winning, you know, all these things, all these awards that she's won mm-hmm. since this show aired or was recorded. And so, you know, she has all the, she has all these jabs that she get, does to Fleabag that are like passive aggressive, but eloquently delivered in a it's, way. It's a very British style of humor. I feel yes. like like some Americans don't get it, but I grew up watching British comedies. And so I, I don't know. I, my husband didn't though. And he still loved Fleabag. So I don't know. Yeah. It's just a preference thing. You know, her sister's scheduling her own like surprise party because Fleabag basically is that's such a me thing to do too. So that's why I definitely felt for Claire. And they have such an interesting dynamic. Okay, so for people who haven't li- watched the show, Fleabag is the main character, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She and her sister recently, or I'm assuming recently lost their mother to- I want to say it, they said like three years ago or so. Okay. It was, and, they were adults, but they showed it in the second season. And so she's, she's she and her, her dad can't handle them. So he like, what'd she say? She buys, he buys them- um, 
like tickets to feminist events and stuff yes. so that they still have some sort of fem- female figure in their lives I think yes and then Olivia Coleman plays their godmother who it eventually sort of starts dating their dad and like that's awkward mm-hmm. because there's a significant age gap if you're looking at it based on appearance and Olivia Coleman's an artist so she's just sort of like fluttering and floating and like oh darling and da, 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 and then makes these passive aggressive comments at Fleabag and you're just kind of like and I love how she always breaks the fourth wall when something's happening like oh, that's yeah. something that she's established you know from the first episode you just sort of she's like in a scene with this or scenario and then she'll like look at the camera and make a face <laughs> I think that's what really like captured my attention on the show too is that yeah. that breaking of the fourth wall and like feeling like I was there I was trying to think of like who who does she think she's talking to when she breaks the fourth wall and I don't know if she's like talking to her like a confidant or if she's thinking it's like boo or like a replacement for boo or if Mm. she's just like looking at the audience as like the audience I don't know yeah that's a really good question because when in season two she's she's a little bit she's doing better because season one she's just floundering she's just she can't get her shit together she goes to the bank to get a loan for her cafe because it's failing they won't give her one like she just can't do anything right at her sister's um surprise in quotes birthday party you know martin makes a move on her and she's like no and then that ends up being a whole thing and then when season one ends and you get into season two they're at this family dinner situation situation celebrating the engagement of the dad and the and the soon-to-be stepmom and her dad gives her a, a voucher to go to therapy I was yeah. like why does that feel icky but also she needs it but when she's in therapy the therapist asks her do you have a support system do you have friends and then she looks at the camera like yeah I do have friends it's us it's us we're it was us friends. all along yeah we're your friends we got you I actually wanted to talk about Boo and Fleabag's relationship because they give us all these snippets of when they're happy. Like she gives her a guinea pig as a gift. Yeah. And then it turns in sort of to the theme of the cafe. But what I thought was great about the relationship was that Boo and Fleabag, they're the same kind of weird. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Like, I I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where you're like a completely dependent upon your best friend kind of situation. Have you, have you ever experienced that? Cause I certainly have. I still regularly text my best friends from high school. <laughs> like you no should. big deal. You they left, that. they left Modesto. They have thriving lives. And I'm over here like, Hey guys. <laughs> and then they respond and I'm like, cool. So this is unhealthy for me because I text oh. you every day. No, that's not unhealthy. But I think that when you do have that like super codependent kind of relationship, it can be unhealthy, especially when it breaks up for whatever reason. Cause mm-hmm. I've been on that end of it as well. I was interested to know because they never explained if Boo knew that it was Fleabag that was the one who slept with the, her boyfriend. They never explained that. They never explain it, but the Mm-mm. sister knows that it's her. Claire knew what the situation was. I don't know if Boo knew what the situation was. Yeah. She just knew that the guy that she was in love with slept with another woman. And then it was revealed that it was Fleabag. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if Boo knew that. And if that was something else that was like impounding on Fleabag's guilt, like that Boo never knew or that like... There's just so many like layers to it that I don't really know. And they yeah. could have delved into it, but it's kind of nice not knowing and kind of making up your own scenarios. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting storytelling technique too, because then it allows for interpretation from the watcher. So you can get something out of it that's 
a little bit more personal than like the than the than the person who created the show telling mm -hmm. you you know I do feel like I, you feel for her in the entire first season because she's grieving her best friend. And like you say, having that best friend is so important. And especially like I'm generalizing based on gender here, but you know, a lot of us as women, we have that close knit person that we talk to every day and that we're dependent on, like you say, and then to lose that, that's hard. Like, I feel sorry for you. And I don't know if because she always said boo didn't mean to actually kill herself it was an mm -hmm. accident like she just wanted to get hurt like if that was even the truth too or if that's what she was just telling herself to so make like herself feel better yeah oh, she man. looked pretty devastated when she stepped in front of traffic in season two we get a little bit more in depth and so fleabag starting to heal from her grief mm. i don't really know if that's the best way to say it but then they introduced the priest the hot priest andrew scott I, I have no words. I, I love him so much, so, uh, especially as a hot priest. So, so I had a hard time in the beginning when he first shows up, because I'm like, you're Moriarty. Uh, you're oh yeah, crazy. I know. Yeah, no, I know. He's such a phenomenal actor. He really is, but he's like not a normal or what we expect a normal yeah. person. Yeah, definitely. Like he drops F-bombs mm -hmm. and they start like flirting. <laughs> I loved, I love that the chemistry between them was like off the charts, yes. off the charts. And you know what? I keep reading about people that have problems watching actors that are gay in real life, have like a, like a straight relationship on screen. Yeah. And to all of them, they need to watch Andrew Scott on Fleabag because off the charts chemistry. And you're like, he's gay in real life. That doesn't stop this from being magical. It's very steamy without oh being naked <laughs> yes oh my god oh, just thinking about it like I love their that story so much and it uh spoiler alert they don't end up together at the end as far as we're aware of as far as we see and it was like devastating to see that not come together because you're like you belong together but like you get you get where they are both coming from at the end Yes. so you have all of this like build up between the two of them and her sister calls her out all the time like mm -hmm. are you doing the priest or however she says it because yeah. she knows fleabag and she she goes to the church or it, yeah the church right he, like he lives mm -hmm. at the church right or the <laughs> rectory or whatever it's or called. whatever it's called i'm not catholic i don't know how these things work and so she he's like yeah open invitation so she does she shows up and then they just have this amazing bond and it almost is reminiscent. So, you know, in the first season, how they show all these scenes between her and Boo being silly and doing silly things and having mm -hmm. like silly conversations, but it's fun and you feel like that's a friendship. I feel like that's the same tone between her and the priest. Yeah, I can see that. I also think that because they did a really great job of showing her being like promiscuous and like going mm -hmm. from relationship to relationship and like on and off again with her boyfriend that when you show her with the priest that you're like holy shit they belong together like this is like it shows the chemistry is like tangible yes it's so good yes and to piggyback on that I don't know if you noticed this but you know the opening music is just sort of this like metal sounding like mm -hmm. tones but in episode four it's the, there's a change in the opening music. It's a little bit softer. Oh, it's a little bit more, um, not mellow. That's not the right word, but it's not heavy metal. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was a really interesting switch because then you see them walking down the street together and they're having this great conversation and they're just bonding really well. And then she breaks the fourth wall and he goes, what's that? Oh yeah. 
when he what notices the breakage. I, me and my husband did a moment. I thought, oh, oh, he notices when she does that. That's amazing. Yes, like, like where did you go right there? He's like, where did you go? You went somewhere. Where did you go? And then she does it again, like looks at the audience. And he's like, you did it again. Yes. Yeah. I just thought that was such a great technique to show that he truly and fully sees her. Yeah. Literally no one in yeah. the show notices that she's doing this. And I think by the end of the season, by the end of the episode, like the very, I think it's maybe episode five or maybe it is six. I don't know. He kind of picks up on the fact that she's talking to the camera. Listen, I'm not going to condone you leaving the priesthood, but you should probably leave the priesthood. They should have been together, but then it wouldn't have felt so maybe like real at the end. So like, there's a scene, a flashback to the funeral of their mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's just having a really hard time. And Fleabag says, I don't know what to do with it with all the love I had for her referring to her mom Mm -hmm. and Boo says, I'll take it. And she kind of looks at her and she's like, no, seriously, it sounds lovely. I'll take it. And so now we know what we know from season one and for Boo to say that it just, it made my gut wrench a little bit more. And I thought that was a really good flashback scene because then as she's sort of developing this relationship with the priest, I feel like she's taking that energy that used to be able to be put into her mom and into Boo into the priest Mm. i didn't think about that but you're right she has all this love to give and she just doesn't know how to direct it into something and i think by the end she's just like resigned to direct it towards hillary yes she's just gonna love hillary that's all she needs hillary the guinea pig she's so cute because you know i read somewhere that they're like they've been friends in real life for a really long time and I like, I can't imagine like kissing your friends like that, yeah. but it worked for them. So yeah, they had some pretty steamy makeout sessions. Yeah. Yes. If there's anything that we can, that Hollywood should learn is it's this, you can have a very good, fulfilling, romantic makeout session without it being like over and kind of gross. And Fleabag does that really, really well. I think they're at the wedding and they're in the side yard. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that. And it was very like, yes, I loved it. Like I was fanning myself like, okay, that's a great scene. What did you think about the um, painting that um, the godmother does? She's like, I'm going to paint a picture for you, for your father, for our wedding gift. And she makes Fleabag sit with her back to her. Yeah. I thought that was very in character for the godmother. Yeah. Like she just doesn't want to think about Fleabag and so she makes her turn around so she doesn't have to deal with her. And perfect Claire gets to have her face shown forward. Claire, who I think I want to say is my favorite character in the entire show. Oh, she's like, so good. She was hilarious in when she was allowed to be hilarious. Yes. How about when she cut her hair? Okay, <laughs> so I, I've watched Fleabag through twice now. Okay. And I knew the scene was coming and I still laughed so hard that you could probably hear me across the park. Like, it's just the comedic timing of the two of them together and just without even saying anything. And I think especially, and maybe you feel the same way because I have a sister, like I know how you can like communicate with them without Mm -hmm. having to say anything. Mm -hmm. Oh God, that scene is like probably one of my favorite television scenes like ever. It's so, because hair is such a universal thing, right? And not just, because, you know, sisterhood you and I have sisters. So we are always going to like that. Those kinds of scenes are going to hit. We're very particular when we go into a hairstylist and we have references and we're like, 
you know, and if it doesn't come out the way we want it to, it's like, I'm devastated. Like, like, like it's not going to be able to be changed. Right. Like that's yeah. always the tone. Like this is forever, but it's not forever. Cause it's here. When, um, Fleabag kicks into action, do you, did you go to Andre? Right. That was his name. Andre. Something like that. Yeah. The guy, that guy I recognized from like chewing gum. Have you seen chewing gum? Uh-uh. Oh, that's another great show. You should watch it. I'll add it to my list. And you um, know, they march in there and they're like, and like all these things and he's the minute they walk in he's like nope yeah nope get out nope i did what she asked and you're like yeah okay sure and then he did he did exactly what she asked that was the best part we learn in the first season that martin has a son but we don't ever like meet him until the second season and they call him not until the second season yeah they do like a flashback of where Claire's oh, taking could, a bath. Yes, yeah, they did. He they opens flashback. the door and he's in his um underwear. Like, oh, that's uncomfortable. And she's like, he's fifteen. Yeah, very inappropriate. But then we meet him, and he's always like, "Where's Claire? Where's Claire?" When he like hugs Fleabag and is like, "Tell her to leave him." Yeah, like he he even though he was like obsessed with his stepmom, like he knew that there was like a not healthy situation going on there. Yeah, it breaks my heart that the only reason why. Well, at least the impression I got, the only reason why Claire married him is because he makes her laugh. Laugh like that. I think that's how they said Mm -hmm. it. She makes him laugh like that, but he's not good to her. No, not at all. I mean, he tried to kiss Fleabag. It was nerve wracking seeing scenes with him because you're like, you didn't know what he was going to do. Yeah. And in, in the final episode of season two, he's like, I'm not a bad guy. I just have a bad personality. I think that's how men try to justify being assholes basically yeah like, i'm not a bad guy i just have like a, a, a bad personality okay that makes you a bad guy that makes you a bad guy oh my gosh at their wedding the way that the stepmother introduces everybody oh this is my friend and she's gay and you know she's mm-hmm. you know all these other things that are like on the surface about people and and then when she gets to the husband and she's like oh this is well i well, I always only ever call you darling. So this, you know, oh, this is my husband. And you're just like. That was hilarious. Also, maybe don't introduce people by like, this is my bisexual friend. And this is my friend who like. I, yeah, what she was trying to do, she was just trying to like create conversation when you introduce people. Like yeah. you always like give like a little snippet about what the person is about. But like the way she did it, you just like, it grates on you. And then the priest speech at the wedding. To me, it felt like he was preparing himself to break up with Phoebe. Yeah, I took it the other way and I still knew the second time around and I still was like, okay, you're saying that you love her. Mm-hmm. Like, so I still, I, I don't understand where he was coming from, where he like decided to stay with the priesthood. Cause I was like, you're stupid. <laughs> I thought he was dumb. I thought he was stupid for staying with the priesthood when he had like this great love in his life, like waiting for him. And yeah. he said that he had like been going in relationships and was promiscuous and stuff like that before. And he went to the priesthood and I just, I don't know. I guess I just don't understand why, like when you find your person, why wouldn't you want to be with him? Like that doesn't make any sense to me unless there's like an actual, like, I can't think of a barrier yeah. at this point. No, yeah, me either. That's what, maybe that's where I was coming from too. Yeah. Like you love each other. It makes sense. Do it. Yeah. Just make us happy. Just make us happy. Do it for us. Do it for the fans. I didn't look into it, but the fox thing I thought was like how he's like afraid of foxes. Oh yeah. They were chasing after him. Yeah. The foxes are I thought I heard foxes. I, they're chasing after me. And then at the very end, a fox shows up. I okay. I'm maybe dense. I don't understand 
the significance? Is there one or am I overthinking this of the fox? I, figured, I mean, maybe it, I'm just too literal, but I was like, oh, there really are foxes chasing after him. <laughs> She's like, he went that way. And then it yeah. walks off like you're going to get you because you decided to stay a priest. Not that there's anything wrong with being a priest. I'm not saying that there is, but I just, you know, when you find somebody who, again, like with Boo, she found a friend that is the same kind of weird as she is and that ended and then. And then she falls in love with the priest and they're the same kind of weird. And then that ended. And, you know, the she just. Thing, the, the, the thing though, is that on, at the end of the second episode, she seemed sad, of course, but she seemed like in a much better headspace about it. Like when she walks away from the camera and is like, no, you stay there. I'm going goodbye. Like yeah. she seemed more. I don't know, put together more like Subtle. sure of who she is. Yeah. Like she, she wasn't like devastated by it. Cause she knew it was coming, but she was like more mature about it, I guess. Yeah. A reoccurring theme, the half statue that they kept stealing <laughs> showing up. I love that statue. And then, you know, so she steals it from the house. That's a power move. Cause Fleabag's like irritated at her step on. And then she gives it, she tries to sell it through Martin. Cause I think he's like an art Mm -hmm. something like that something like that and then martin gives it to claire for her birthday and was like this is great tell me how much you want for it they try to return it but it doesn't get returned and then in the second season we learn that she still has it because there's a women in business symposium and they're giving this oh, award yeah. away that she <laughs> she immediately breaks after claire's like don't touch it she like picks it up and then it just <laughs> falls out of her hands right out of her hands you just knew that, that was, was a happen. great moment you're like upset that it's over you're sad mm -hmm. that it's over you are so in love with the chemistry between fleabag and the hot priest you're devastated that he they're not going to stay together you're happy for for fleabag because it seems like other sections of her life are going well mm -hmm. she finally was able to kind of stand up to the stepmother who is let's face it she's like a total bully to fleabag yeah like i'm just thinking of the scene where she has her art show mm. and the stepmother's like you're gonna just help me pass out champagne and yeah. just assumed that she was going to do it and I, just the way that she treated her was like Not so okay. rude and how little she thinks of her that when the first episode of the second season where Fleabag says that she's the one who has a miscarriage. Right. And everyone just is just like, yep, that makes sense. That that tracks. Yeah. And then she's like, do you know who the father is? And and she asks her that multiple times. Like the godmother character asks mm. her that in multiple episodes. Like, oh, do you know who the father was? Did you tell the father? You, did you, were you able to figure out who the father was? So you could tell him, you know, that kind of shit. And yeah. you're just like, oh my God. Which yeah. I think was really funny. And Cause she's trying to be like, she's this character who's like open and flowy and like, everything's great. And she's super totally accepting of all things. Cause you know, she makes that freaking sculpture wall of penises. <laughs> so, you know, she's like, I'm an open person. And then she can't be open with her future stepdaughter in any way. She's yeah. super judgmental and, um, you know, not loving and supportive. So I'm glad that Claire, that Fleabag was able to get some sort of like come up like she was able to kind of level that relationship yeah. um I was super proud of Claire for following her dreams yeah and like leaving her dirtbag husband mm -hmm. um it made me happy to see kind of not closure between Fleabag and her dad but like they came sort of some sort of like understanding about their relationship yeah I just love the show the writing is just phenomenal and the acting the casting on that show is like a so plus. good so, so so good 
she like, everyone like, was perfect and then i think kristen scott thomas plays the businesswoman right? yeah yeah and and she did a great job i love that one episode that she's in she always like chooses the scenery in therapy she says you know she's just a girl with no or the therapist says to her you so you're just a girl with no friends and an empty heart by your own description so even though Fleabag doesn't say those things directly, she's sort of talking about her life. And then that's the summary that the, the therapist can come up with about her mm-hmm. life. I just, I don't, I don't understand why people haven't watched the show. Right? Like everyone that, that I've come across that I'm like, that asked me for recommendations on shows. I'm like, okay, you have to watch Fleabag. And like the two, the two seasons, like instantly became one of my like favorite TV shows, like top five of all time. We're still sort of believing in this soulmate situation in our in our culture so she's you know basically essentially found her soulmate and then he didn't choose her yeah. <laughs> you're like chuckling like yes it's sad. it is it's sad but it's, it's like it kind of makes sense for her life because yeah. her life is a mess but yeah. she is like trying to get it together at least like yeah. i think it was funny when um her season her sister comes to the cafe in season two and is like when did you become successful like when <laughs> when like because i guess as big sisters you never like not that you never think of your siblings as trying to become successful right but, like you're always just kind of surprised by it like oh are you the, are you the older sister i'm the oldest yeah and okay my, my my i have my sister's three years younger than me and my brother's 10 years younger than me oh wow i didn't realize that your brother was that much younger than you mm-hmm. i am the youngest so you're the baby so so do you get underestimated by your siblings all the time? Which is fair because by the time I showed up, my parents were exhausted. So <laughs> <laughs> just like Julie gets away with everything. No, no, she doesn't. She just gets away with the shit you never tried. Minus the uptightness. My sister's totally clear. Like she's successful. She's got a great career. She's constantly promoting and doing all these amazing things for her company. And then I'd like to think that my brother and I share the role of Fleabag, (laughs) which sorry, mom, but I love how they nailed that sister dynamic so well. Oh yeah. Even though like Martin and she are married, like she still sort of leans on her sister for support. And I really like that. There was a line. The only person I'd run to the airport for is you mm-hmm. that Claire said to her. And you're just like, you do love her. Yes. It's definitely like a sister thing. I've noticed people who don't grow up with sisters, it's, there's a level of not sensitivity. That's the wrong word. Cause men can be sensitive, but it's different. There's like a, cause we're natural carers because of all of the social conformities we've had to mold ourselves into so now it's just ingrained in us to care another quote that I thought was really good when Phoebe shows up at the priest's house it's in episode three and he says celibacy is a lot less complicated than a relationship definitely not as fun though (laughs) also true in episode four, like they're really like starting to heat up in, in their emotions for each other. Mm -hmm. And then he says, I can't have sex with you because then I'll fall in love with you. And if I fall in love with you, I, I won't. And if I fall in love with you, I won't burst into flames, but my life will be fucked. I get that. That's a lot of restraint. I mean, granted, he didn't have all of his restraints because, you know, they eventually have a moment, but how hard that's gotta be to be conflicted between your religion and love, I guess. 
I think the moment he knew, and I think the moment we all knew too, that they were actually going to do something about their relationship was when uh, they did the confessional scene. <gasps> that was so, it was just heartbreaking seeing her actually like come to her own understanding of like what she wants in life. Yeah. And she just wants somebody to tell her what to wear, what to have for breakfast or that broke my heart that scene she was so vulnerable and we hadn't really seen her that vulnerable she's been sort of vulnerable but she uses humor as a as a safeguard and when she was making that speech i was like i get you because yeah it sucks doing all the shit making all the decisions by yourself 100 sucks and then you know a painting falls and everything like snaps back <laughs> into like like no, everyone... that was a different scene the painting fell like the... there was two Not... there was two scenes where a painting fell was there two? Yeah. I just know like when she went to go visit him at his home and they were about to kiss. Yes. And then the painting fell. And then the painting. And you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah, like God is watching us. I guess. And then when they were making, maybe it wasn't a painting, but something in the church fell. If there were a season three, which we're not going to get, what storylines would you want to see if there was a season three? I think we, I would want to see more of the relationship between the godmother and the dad. Ooh. Like you, you got a lot of Fleabag and the dad and the stepmother and the, and Fleabag, but you didn't mm-hmm. really see a whole lot of the dad and the stepmother. Yeah. So I would like to see more of that and kind of understand where they're both coming from when they like, why they got married, like why mm-hmm. they're together. Mm-hmm. They seem like very different kind of people too. So you kind of want to see that, or maybe, I don't know, the, he was, she was a person that he felt to when he was grieving and mm-hmm. that's why they fell in love. I don't know, but I would yeah. want to delve in more of that into that relationship. And I would love to see the Martin character like flailing and like being really sad. Yeah. Just cause I want to see that asshole get what he deserves. Martin, you're the worst. Oh, and I would love to see the banker like come in with his wife. And yeah, you know how that banker character was a really great character that we only saw like a little bit of, but he yeah. seemed like a really like you know that he when they you first met him, you were like, What is wrong with this guy? And then when you meet him again at the seminar that he was at, where they mm-hmm. like hate hate women, women apparently, <laughs> and they just try to get out all their aggression on women before they go back to work. And you see that kind of friendship kind of grow between them. He was a really fun character and all he wanted to do was go home to his wife. Yeah. Who you can imagine probably was like sick of his shit. Yeah. And he even makes like, the comment. He hates women and you're like, I can't be married to somebody that hates women. Like, I don't understand that. Seriously. <laughs> I I think that was a great t- callback to season one because he kind of start, he kind of is the peak of, you know, she's already in a demise, but then like when he denies her the loan, she kind of like really starts to spiral. Mm-hmm sort of placing him strategically throughout the rest of the series was a really good move. I didn't realize Phoebe Waller-Bridge was a writer on Killing Eve until she won all those Emmys. I did not watch Killing Eve yet, so no spoilers. I, but I've I heard it's it. phenomenal, and I've heard that the two main actresses have been, like, really, really good. Jodie yeah. Comer and Sandra Oh. I do want to check it out, but, like, now that I know 
Phoebe Waller-Bridge's writing. I watched her show. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Where they crashing on Netflix? Yes, crashing that one. I watched that and I was disappointed that there wasn't enough seasons of that either. Mm. And then she's writing for the Bond movies. Is she really? Is yeah, she wrote the newest one. I think they brought her in. So that's going to be exciting. And then she's going to be in the next Indiana Jones movie. Oh, that's exciting. she was um, a voice of a robot in one of the Star Wars movies. Okay. And I heard that she got cast because everyone came in like trying to be a robot, like make a robot voice. And she didn't realize that the character was a robot. So she just did like her regular nice. voice. And they were like, yeah, that's the direction we should go in. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I'll have to check out Crashing. I haven't seen it. Netflix recommends it all the time. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. ah, I don't know. I love her so much in Fleabag. It was super entertaining, but it was, it does not have a resolution to it. Just be I aware. wonder, <laughs> is it, is it one season? I want to say, yeah. Yes. Netflix and you know, is- those British shows are always like six episodes. Like they don't know how to do, or I don't know that they don't know how to do, but all my British shows that I fall in love with have always done like super short season yeah that's that's like, been true me since, more yeah and I feel like that's been true since before binge watching and streaming was a thing it's always mm-hmm. been sort of a short IT crowd is another one where there's not like a ton of episodes and there's like five seasons but it's like six episodes a season and that shows hella old that shows like 15 years old <laughs> I just thought of another thing I would love to see in the third season if we did it tell me I would love to see them the the guy with the teeth have like a happy relationship <sighs> yeah because like he seemed like he wanted love so badly yeah. and like the only thing that he just it was his teeth and maybe yeah. he'll find somebody that loves him for his teeth yeah and i would like to see him get a happy ending too and he, that guy's really funny it, he so. was really funny and i love how he was always like oh parents love me like you could sense that she finds him irritating but then like literally everyone around her just like loves him so much <laughs> he was very smarmy and he was very confident but like i think he just wanted love so much like and i yeah. totally understand being that way that you were like desperate for it yeah and you like over over um compensate for your desperation i loved their meet cute when they met on the <laughs> yeah. bus oh it was so cute and then she sees his teeth yeah and then she's like shit I shouldn't have done that it did a great job of showing like her not her like desperation for sex but like her like she's she would she thought so little of herself I feel like that she was just like gonna have sex with anybody the pain that goes in with that too because I think sometimes we don't always want to identify that that's like a coping thing for some people I just think everybody should watch the show because it's so good okay so I watched it right when the second season came out and we had seen like an advertisement on Amazon, but mm-hmm. we didn't like really know what it was about. But we just tried to tr- try it out. And then I feel like afterwards, then she got nominated for everything after season two dropped. And yeah. then people started like understanding like why I was like, you need to watch Fleabag. Yeah. Everyone needs to watch Fleabag. Yeah. And all of the awards, I feel like were justified. That she Absolutely. Because it was so good. It was a u- unique way to tell a story. Like even though they used techniques that we've seen the way that they pieced these techniques together makes Mm -hmm. the story incredibly unique in that way. And I loved that. And then I really appreciated that she really just wasn't afraid to go hard in some of the emotional stuff. I thought that Mm -hmm. was a really, that's really vulnerable place to be when you're creating. I read somewhere though, that it's not a lot of it is based on personal stuff. So I'm curious and only like certain things are based on personal experience. So now I'm like, can you tell us? Cause I'm curious. <laughs> I, yeah. I heard that Fleabag was based off of her one man show Yeah, that she had done. And then yeah. they like created a thing around it. 
I'm going to make the plea that Shai just made. Everybody needs to watch the show. It will challenge the way you think in, but unexpectedly, and you will feel so many feelings that I think that it's a crucial sort of self-reflection moment. Well, I appreciate you coming back. Oh, I love coming back. Thank you so much for having me again. Absolutely. You'll have to keep coming back because I feel like we just always kind of have great conversations. We do. And I love all the nerdy shit that you love to talk about too. Oh my gosh. I can't wait for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier to be done so we can have a conversation about that. I have a lot of thoughts about that too. It's so hard not to text you on Friday nights after we, because we watch it around 10. So I don't want to like interrupt anything, but I'm always like, I need to know how shy feels about that scene. (laughs) Yeah. I know. I should keep like a running tab about when, especially the last couple episodes. Mm, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll delve into it. Yes, we sure will. Because And my- I, I was thinking about you during the last episode too, especially when the, the Sam montage, I was like, Julia must be in heaven right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, hi, Anthony Mackie. <laughs> oh, but now I'm like, because so I started following Sebastian Stan on Instagram and now I'm like, am I shifting? Like, that man has no right to look as good as he does. Like he is beautiful. Amen. Amen. Yes. And it was not a good idea to follow him on Instagram because now (laughs) I'm like, you're just, I get the list is already long. I can't add any more men to this list. I get it. I get it. I haven't had like a celebrity crush on anybody since Zach Galifianakis though. So you're also happily married. (laughs) That's true. I think that that adds to it. Although my husband does react in concern sometimes when like the guy who played Luke Cage comes on screen. Yeah. I'm sure you understand why. Yeah, I do. Like, I'll be like, I'll pay a little extra attention like to the show. And he's like, should I be concerned? No. <laughs> be beautiful. Yes. Just, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and the guy who plays M'Baku from Black Panther. Oh, mm-hmm. that guy is beautiful too. Mm-hmm. Which is so funny because I'm married to a like a nerdy white guy, and I love these like big black strong men on screen. Yeah. Well, I look forward to having you back, and I look forward to future conversations. And this was Thank fun. You. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. After you're done watching Fleabag, head on over to our Instagram and let's talk about it. Beginning next week, my friend Melissa will join me as we embark on a four-part series I like to call A Study of Bridgerton, the Netflix show, not the books. Talk to y'all next time.